This message was presented at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org. All right, we're going to start with a word of prayer. We're going to start with this uh, breakout session. Uh, they asked me to talk a little bit about leadership and in a more practical way, how does the how this leadership impacts, like biblical leadership impacts in our movements. Uh, because this is for leaders, but I'll tell you this. Everybody, sometimes they say, you know, I'm not a leader, so I'm fine. Uh, Ellen White says that there is not gonna, there's not going to be any starless crowns in heaven, right? Yes or no? That means that you have to lead at least one person to Jesus, Amen. So everybody's called to be a leader in different degrees. So we're going to talk about this and specifically on movements. Uh, let us bow our heads and we're going to pray one more time, okay? Our Father in heaven, thank you very much for this day. Lord, we ask in a special way that you will guide us, you will help us, Lord, and you will teach us to be better leaders for you. And my Father, uh, each one of us here, we have different calls. But we are, uh, we're all called to serve you. And we want to do it in the best way possible Worthy for the King of Kings. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> when we talked about um, successful ministries or successful movements, how do you define success in movements? Is it by the structure? Is it by the sizes, maybe? So if I have, a, let's say, let's make it really practical. If I have an evangelistic series, uh, if I baptize a thousand people, uh, am I successful? And this is, uh, I was reading this book when they asked me to talk about this. I was finishing that book. And it says, you know, that many times we put the finite uh, concepts into infinite movements. Because God calls us to not baptize numbers, but he calls us to preach the gospel. Yes or no? So if we say that, that you, if you baptize a lot of people, then you're successful, successful. You're saying that Noah was the worst evangelist ever because he preached for 120 years and he baptized none, right? So how do you define success? And many times it's, it's not defined by numbers because we create metrics. As human beings, we like to look metrics. And I work with canvassers and sometimes they, they look, you know, how many books you got out and, and, there's the, and whoever gets more books, he's the best. No, it's, it's not always. I have people that are not converted. They don't even care about canvassing, and they have 30 books a day, no problem. So that's how we're going to talk about movements. How does it look like a movement that you can lead you know, in ministry, uh, and what are the characteristics for a leader that has this mindset that will make it last long, all right? And... Um, and I'll tell you this, this is really interesting because in 2016, I was asked um, to help in GYC Latin America. So from Mexico down, you know, we're working with all the affiliates. And I'll tell you, this is not, nothing to glory to, to myself. Uh, it's all the glory to God. But things have been happening so fast. Uh, countries are rising with GYCs. <clears throat> and something that we notice uh, with our team is this. You know, for instance, in 2016, the first GYC in Latin America started. Uh, at least in on our era, and um, and in 2017 we started the first um, 
how do you call it, the first training for leaders. So we decided there were over six countries coming to be trained uh, for, for GYC. I don't know if this is working. Okay. Anyway, in 2017, we had the first training uh, on leadership. And I want to talk to you about what, is, what it worked and what it didn't work. And uh, like I said, you can see pictures here that we got together and we started praying. And then we have a month later a training, actually, with uh, people from Peru, Guatemala, Costa Rica. Um, you can see Albert in there, so some of you know him. And <clears throat> they were there. And after that, created a youth movement in different countries. Uh, it's really interesting. We spent like uh, over almost a, a week uh, in training, you know, giving the best, uh, like the best training possible that we had. Because usually, you know, usually when we attended to trainings for affiliates or, or other type of uh, leadership, they usually teach you, you know, this is how you do programming, this is how you do logistics, and this is how you handle money, and all of these technical things. But we did something different, and we realized that that was amazing because it created a youth movement uh, based on GYC where we have like now these different countries. They are like we have people in Colombia, Guatemala, Costa Rica, Venezuela, Panama, Peru, Brazil, and Chile. And, and they're more like showing up. Actually, last weekend we were in the GYC Peru. So it has been a huge blessing. But what, this is what is really interesting, that this group of young people, they're growing, they're doing crazy things. And like this one, like we, in Venezuela, they have three schools that they're running. GYC is running three schools where they're feeding children because there's no food in, in that country. So we have that. I, wish, I can tell you crazy stories about those things. You know, we have missionaries being sent. And in Colombia, they're sending missionaries to dying churches. There was a church that, that had like four or five members only. So they sent like six uh, missionaries for three months. And in three months, they baptized, baptized seven. And today, there are over 20 members, like the church is active, really active. You know, So you see sending missionaries. They themselves, they're becoming speakers. They're preaching in youth camps, etc. And also, they're doing community service. Actually, not two weeks ago, uh, in Venezuela, there are some cities that they don't have power for two years. So you don't have power, electricity, so you don't have clean water, all right? So these young people, you know what they did? They just rented like five trucks like that, and they just went to the community giving them water with, with Adventist literature. You know, they're moving the, the Adventist the church members, and they're in all of these things. Uh, <clears throat> and this is another one. Uh, they start doing clinics as well. So they partner with some doctors and all of them, and they themselves are doctors, so they did clinics, um, free clinics. So actually, in August, we partnered with them, and we did like a clinic in Cucuta, which is the border between Colombia and Venezuela. And there were 1,000 people that we treated in three days. So with 30, uh, 30, member, 30 doctors, actually. <clears throat> and they are doing a lot of, um, a lot of uh, community service. They were painting places. They you know feeding the homeless. The homeless, uh, also not too long ago for Christmas, you know, they went to the poor children. They give them gifts, etc. So it's, it's, this is all this movement that has been generating. It's over and over. We keep hearing um, uh, like news from this group of uh, young people. Actually, in Peru, they started uh, the Youth Rush. You know, this, the same group is starting Youth Rush canvassing, and they're excited. And now in Bogota, they're, they're praying about this. They're working to this. They're starting with a radio. Do you know that Bogota has 10 million people, that city alone? And it's the fifth city with the most traffic jams, car traffic jams in, in Latin America, which means that a lot of people are, are listening in radio. 
So we're looking into the radio. So these are, these are thoughts and movements that young people has come, uh, come up uh, in order to spread the gospel. You know what is interesting? That in those trainings that we have had in GYC, we never train them to do those things. We never talk to them, you should do clinics. We never talk to them, you should do community service. We never talk to them, you should do send missionaries or you should preach. We never talk to them about it. But they, what was it that moved them to do those things? So, and this is what we're going to talk about, like leadership. And this is the first thing that we implanted in their minds. It's a clear identity. When <clears throat> they need, you need, this is the motivation factor that you need to do. What we did is we took away all the, mo we didn't took away everything, of course. But we took away most of the technical part and we started implanting them the message. The message of why we're GYC. I hope you know why we are GYC. Because, you know, the word Generation Youth Christ, it was created not because a generation of youth for Christ. It's supposed to be the generation of youth for Christ. Because in this generation, in your generation, the work should be done, should be finished. So it's not a generation, it's that generation. So we start telling them through prophecy, through the gospel, how young people are called this day to finish the work. So we start implanting them. Actually, you know, 10 years ago, I committed my life to God in this, in this convention center, in GYC. Also, uh, morning speaking, um, Sebastian Braxton was preaching unfulfilled dreams. You can listen in audio verse, powerful message. I committed my life, and I said, Lord, here it is. This is our motto. In his motto at the end, he said, we're going to finish the work, and we're going to die, die trying. And we preached that to these young people. We told them, we're here to finish the work. So we always tell them, you know, this is going to cost your, your time, your personal money, your life will be changed. You know, you'll have to make decisions, and these young people just started doing it. We gave them the goal. The identity is a just cause. I mean, you know, this is... Uh, the Bible says uh, in Ecclesiastes, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put what? Eternity in their hearts. So God has placed something eternal in your heart that nothing in this world will, will be able to make you happy, fulfill or make you complete. You're going to be empty your whole life if you don't put this eternal thing. And that's the problem that Jesus had with, with the disciples because he was trying to explain them something eternal and they were try, trying to understand it in something temporal. The kingdom of God is like this. He never said the kingdom of God is this. He said it's like this, it's like this. And they were like, okay, even after his resurrection, so I guess, are you going to set up your kingdom now? You know, are we going to get our positions right now? Soon? He was like, no, 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 you don't get it because it's something eternal. And, uh, and that's, that's what it is. So God has placed this. That's why actually I'm, I, I finished this book, uh, The Infinite Game, from Simon Sinek. And he said that a lot of people are, you know, they don't like to go to work. And he put it in the business context because <clears throat> they don't like to go to work because, because they don't have an identity on it. They want to follow a just cause. They want to do something crazy. And that's why actually, you know, Steve Jobs, everybody wanted to work for him. He was, he, you know, he pushed them hard. He treated them really, really hard, but they were focusing on the mission because Steve Jobs didn't want to become rich. He just wanted to make a difference through his products. 
So in Adventism, we have a better just cause that's eternal, that trespasses the, the, the temporal things. Because everything in this world is going to burn anyway, but the cause of God is worth, is worth more than that. So that's why, you know, and li listen, listen to this. This is what he, and, and when you set up a goal, why you have to start asking what's the purpose in, in your, in, and this is your identity of your ministry or your calling. What's your purpose? What, why you're here as a, as a human being, but I also, God is going to call you, some of you in literature work, some of you missionary. So what's your goal? And make sure that when you set up those goals, don't make it in the, with a finite mind. Because a finite mind just plugs it in with numbers, with all of these things, which they're good in the times, because I'll tell you this. This, this is from Vicki Griffin, she's an excellent speaker. Uh, she says, you know, a goal what I get. We can say, you know, I want to get this, etc. That's not a good goal, actually, because you can use it, but, but this is not the process. How I get there? Let's say, I want to I wanna read one book uh, a month. All right? What I get? I, I want to read more. Right? It's a good goal, right? And then I said, I'm going to get one book a month. Yes, it will help you to have that process, but your main goal should be your identity, who I am. It's different to say I'm going to read a book a month than I say I want to become a reader. You know? There's a huge difference because, because even when you miss, let's say, something crazy happens one month and you don't read a book a month, you will feel that you failed. Right? But if your identity go trespasses all of that, you can say, it doesn't matter if I fail this month. My goal is to become a reader. Even if it takes me again like to, to read one book in, in three months, I'm going to start doing that. So look for that goal. Look for that cost that's going to move, the, move you. Because for the GYCs, the move is like, we're going to finish the work. We're going to finish the work no matter what. No matter what. And it has to be something, uh, actually, <clears throat> this book tells us something interesting on this. We'll tell you. That, um, just Cause, uh, this book calls it a just cause. It's a specific vision for a future state that does not yet exist. All right? So you have to look for something that doesn't exist. That you're, you know, sometimes it has to be something crazy. Don't be afraid to dream. You know, I remember one time I was in Minnesota, and I started asking, you know, why they don't have a, uh, a, radio, a radio station uh, for the Hispanics? You know, at least one program a week. And, uh, <clears throat> and, they, uh, and they say, you know, because of money, and something that, that hits me hard and gets me upset is when we stop projects for God because of money. Yeah, that, that, that hurts, you know. Um, and I remember they told me that, you know, sometimes we have it, but... Etc. But sometimes we don't, because uh, because of money. I was like, oh man, I hate it. Well, there, there was there was um, a radio station actually that they had um, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. It was secular, and from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. It was Christian. So I contacted the Christian radio station and I told them, "Can I talk to you?" And and I remember people, you know, people will go against you. Just get ready. It's not a matter of because Satan. When you're when you're a threat for Satan's ground. Uh, get ready. You're going to get attacked. 
So I remember like I going there and just making my appointment with that gentleman and people, even family, close family members, they were telling me, you're crazy. You're trying to, to get a radio time? You know, we already asked, one minute is too expensive. You're crazy, you're dumb, you're, you're wasting your time. I was like, I don't lose anything asking, right? The most that I'm gonna lose is a lunch because we're meeting in a Chipotle, you know? So I just went there and I remember that this gentleman, he sat and he says, you know, this is crazy because uh, we, the only youth program that we have had, it was canceled last week because the youth, uh, you know, whoever was running that program, he went to the Middle East, East to be a missionary. And this morning, he said, we were wondering who's going to take over, <laughs> you know? And they give us a, a weekly program and we have crazy things, you know? I can tell you a lot of stories that we have had, people get, getting converted on the radio. Praise the Lord for all of that. But anyway, <clears throat> something that doesn't exist. Don't be afraid. Something that puts in your heart. You know, when we started working with Latin America, we, we pray, Lord, give us Latin America. We want the whole continent. We don't want one country. We want the whole thing. And you know, guess what? God is answering. God is answering. So have an, and also the leader, you have to make sure this, because if you're the leader, especially the, you know, when you have GYC, you heard, you know, the VP of logistics, what do they do? All the logistics, you know, the name does, says, uh, says what it does. What about the president? What do they do? And that's, those are the problems that we face, you know, when we're training about leadership, they're like, so what does the president do? You know, does, does it just tell everybody what to do or something? Actually, the, the main leaders are this, the identity keepers. They make sure that their team has the vision and keeps reminding them. You know, remember that's why in the previous, how many of you were here in the previous seminar? No? Okay. He was, <clears throat> you know, he was mentioning that Ellen White says, you know, that we should spend like a one hour, like thoughtful hour in the life of Christ. It's because we forget daily, right? So this is the same thing happens to the movements because the second generation, third generation, they start losing the vision. Right? So you, the president, should be the one, that, if the president doesn't have the vision, the whole, the whole movement is going to lose identity. Right? So the president should be focused in feeding the vision to, um, <clears throat> to, the, um, to, the, to the members. And the just cause that you have, you know, your vision, your goal, has to be something like this. This book is, is coming from this book. It has to be for something. It has to be affirmative and optimistic. All right? So we're not here to, uh, to preach against the Pope. No, it shouldn't be like that. You know, it should be to preach the three angels' message. Right? Uh, also inclusive, because open to all those who would like to contribute. Because so many times we create these movements. Oh, only these people can come here. Only this. That. So it kind of like exclusive, becomes kind of exclusive. It has to be open to everybody. Everybody has the same vision will join you and say, hey, can I just help you? It has to be selfish-oriented. It has to be always something for something beyond themselves. It, this is even, you know, this guy is talking even about business. But I'm just, I was reading that he has so much relationship with ministry because most of the time people spend time in their businesses working. And that becomes their identity. Who are you? I'm a nurse in this, in this uh, you know? But guess what? Paul, he was, uh, what was his, his profession in this world? Tent maker. Show me in the Bible when he introduces himself. Paul, the tent maker. He always says, Paul, 
servant of Jesus Christ, called by Jesus himself, the apostle, to the Gentiles. Amen. So he was living his calling. No, he was not living his life. So he has to be service or service oriented, you know, to your cause. What are you going to aim for? I, you know, I'll tell you this. You know, we want to finish the work. Listen, Jew, I see. We want to finish the work in this generation. That's our goal. Everybody who can, can join us. Uh, I, I hope that everybody else will have the same. Uh, resilient. Uh, it has to be something able to endure political, technological, and cultural cha changes. Something that will endure everything. Something that will last long. Right? Um, and finally, uh, idealistic. It has to be big, bold. Um, even, even this, the author says, should be something unachievable. Something that's crazy, that will keep you going ever, ever. Because, and this is what the problem that we have with some uh, some affiliates, because they think that they, when you do a, con a youth conference, you're done, and that's when you kill it, because GYC is not done, not created to do youth conferences. Because, by the way, the work is not going to be done by youth conferences. Just go and look the Two Angels message and the great controversy. There's nothing about youth conferences. We use the youth conferences as like a trampoline to go to the movement. So it shouldn't be, you know, something too narrow. It has to be something bold. I mean, I, I tell them, look, what's wrong in dreaming to finish the work in this generation? What's wrong with that? You know, I don't feel capable. I don't know if I'm like Martin Luther King, uh, Martin Luther, actually, uh, Wesley. I don't feel like that because, but God can make you one. Something impossible. God is, is the God of impossibles, yes or no? Yeah. So once you have your goal, you know why you're here, then you start developing a team. And the next part is, is trusting teams. The Bible says this is really important because you have to be to, to have two components here. The Bible says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Uh, <coughs> I'll tell you this. Agreeing is not necessarily saying, okay, we have the same mission. Let's work together and, and do this. It has to be a, a team that trusts each other. And for that, it's really interesting because this, this author talks about, uh, this is another one, um, dare to lead. It says, trust and vulnerability grow together and to betray one is to destroy both. Actually, they were checking on the Marines. When they look for, uh, for uh, soldiers, you know, they have the high skills, low skills, medium skills, and high skills. And they also have another table that says low trust, medium trust, and high trust. And they say when you have a high skill and medium trust, they don't take them. When they have high trust and medium skills, they take them. Because these soldiers, they need someone that they can trust. And for that, you need to be vulnerable. So when you have a team that is not open to share, hey, I need help. Because sometimes, you know, and this happens a lot in the churches. Everybody, you know, has their faces that are super spiritual, that no one struggles, you know. And then we see our statistics that 60% of our young, our males are struggling with pornography. So where does that come from? Because no one is vulnerable or trust enough in their teams to say, hey, can you pray for me? I'm struggling with something. At least like that. Because everybody tries to be, you know, if I'm in, especially in leadership, I cannot be, I cannot, you know, and I'll tell you this, I'm a pastor, and this finds a lot in pastors as well. They're struggling with sins, but they cannot share because they're afraid to lose their influence. 
And this is not to make, uh, of course, I'm not saying that you have to make public things because uh, the person, you know, the deep sins in your life, you have to deal with God. But there are things that you can, you can share, you know. Uh, actually, this book tells a story about these uh, drilling companies. You know, these guys, you know, they, they work in drilling companies, the oil drilling. They're big, buff, tough, and everything. And they, and, and this, uh, and they found out, like, in the Gulf of Mexico, a place that they were going to drill a hole. So they brought the best person, the best guy to do that. And he said, you know, for, and they said, collect your team. This is your team. And you're going to go there, and you have to be safe. And what he did, he said, yeah, I want to bring this speaker from California because she's like, blah, blah, blah. She's going to talk to us about our, our life, you know, our emotions, it's, stuff like that. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, um, <clears throat> he said, um, he said what, why, why, are, why do you want to talk about your emotions and all of that stuff? This is about, you know, drilling. <laughs> this is not about your emotions. He said, like, trust me. And, uh, and what happened is, is that they did, um, they did that, and she did um, an exercise about sharing, and people started getting, the team started getting to know each other. Because you need to know, as a leader, you need to know two things in their lives. Their stories and their cross. All right? Their story will tell you their background, and many times will help you to understand a lot. And their cross is their infirmities, you know, things that are struggle. Because many times, their strengths are your weaknesses, and your weaknesses are their strengths. So that will help you. And, and, and they start opening up. They, yeah, someone shared, you know, my son is having, he has cancer right now. I mean, they start, like, they start, they stop being afraid to say, I need help. Right? So, and that drilling uh, uh, station became the safest, as the safest in the U.S., and they produce over 100, uh, the, what, what was expected. 100, it was 115 or 120% of what was expected to produce. So it was like, it was like a rate, like no accidents, because why? Because they have a team that they were willing to trust each other and say, hey, brother, you know, yes or no, you, when you have a good friend, you can call him. I have my friends, you know, Leroy. I call him, bro, you know, I'm struggling with this. Can you pray for me? Do you have those friends? And they should be on your teams. So... <clears throat> Trusting, uh, <laughs> trusting. You know, and uh, it says, you know, trust is the stacking and layering, uh, layering of small and reciprocal vulnerability, uh, uh, can you say it? Over time, right? So well, when we have these times with these moments, you know, the best friends that I have in ministry, oh, I mean in life, sorry, the best friends that I have in life, spiritually speaking, are the ones who I canvas with, I did mission trips together. We did crazy things for God, and they last longer. They, la they last for eternity. You want to have those friends. You know, to go to parties, anybody can go. But to go to mission, to sacrifice, those friends will last long. So you want to, you, wanna, you know, the best teams that we've seen in Latin America is because they're friends. They help each other. They, you know, they're always watching for each other. I mean, they're family. It's not just a it's position. It's like a, a family membership that they have. So and that, that's one of the things, trusting teams. Um, <clears throat> and that's why it also says when leaders are focused in worldly metrics, they push people for goals that they cannot, that also can, can cause ethical fading. The problem, what happens is like when you start pushing, uh, when you start pushing your, your people that you're working with to met goal metrics, guys, we're going to, 
and something happens. You know, we have to have 100 baptisms. We have, you know, you might be limiting God. Because why if God wants to baptize a thousand, you're telling them a hundred. Or maybe God would just wants ten people and you're pushing for a hundred. You know what happens? Actually, have you heard of the scandal of Wells Fargo? Like a couple of years ago, they fired 5,000 people from Wells Fargo. Why? Because these people were opening accounts. You know, if you have a bank account in Wells Fargo, probably you have an, a, a credit account. Without your permission, they will open the account and two days later, we'll close it. So you will not notice that. Why did they do that? Because Wells Fargo leaders, they were pushing for numbers. You need to have 100 accounts open this, this month. And they start doing ethical failure. So it was the leadership fault. It was not the people. Because they caused that. When you start pushing metrics, human metrics, you're risking to diminish the ministry. All right? Uh, another thing that you want to have is a worthy rival. I was like, when I started reading this, I was like, no way. Why? This is not about competition. And it's true. It's not about competition. I'll tell you the concept of a worthy rival that this man has. Uh, <clears throat> the Bible says, you know, test all things, hold fast. What is what? Good. Abstain from um, every form, form of evil. Let me tell you this. <clears throat> this one says, traditional competition forces us to take on an attitude of what? Winning. Winning. Everybody, even ministries, we, we're like that. Like, we're, this is all about winning, right? But it says, a worthy rival inspire us to take on an attitude of what? Improvement. The former focuses on our attention on the outcome, how much am I going to get? But the latter focuses on the attention on process. How do I get better? Because there are a lot of things that other ministries and other things will have that are better than you do. And why will you reinvent the wheel when you can go just go and learn? Right? So this is not, a, you know, even if they take the position of, of competing, you don't take it. You go there and you go to learn. And you improve yourself. And actually, <clears throat> uh, he continues saying another part. He says, it is the focus of process and constant improvement that helps reveal new skills and boosts Resilience, because it's going to help you to last longer, actually. <clears throat> you know, when we started GYC Latin American Trainings, uh, we realized that they have, there's other ministries that can be helpful. And instead of us saying, you know, this is GYC and that's it, for instance, we started implementing GLOW, GLOW mission trips. Actually, in January, you know, the Pope went to, um, to Panama, and 700,000 people from all over the world, Catholics, young people, went there. And, and we implemented. You know, we learned from them. We realized that they're doing a great, great job in doing mission trips. And we implemented that. They taught us to do that. And we passed out 120,000 glow trucks in, 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 in Panama. So it was a huge blessing. It was a huge blessing. So you find, you know, the people that are worthy to look up to. All right? They're not your gods. They're just helping you to, to improve. Even your enemies, especially them, actually. Because many times we hate them. You know, they're competing with us. Man, this, this other ministry. No, we should be like, what are they doing good? Right? Uh, and, the, and the other thing is existential flexibility. I will tell you this. We have to be careful with this because we don't want to, um, we don't want to show <coughs> that uh, my computer's about to die. I don't know if there's power here. 
And uh, I do not, um, can you help me with this? Can you plug them in? Here's, thank you. The Bible says heaven, this is a disclaimer, in the Bible, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. There are things that you can change, existential flexibility, because things will change in life. If you're not ready to change, if you're not ready to things to happen and embrace those changes to get better, you're going to lose. Actually, I will tell you the story of Kodak. Kodak, you know, have you heard about the Kodak? They were like the top. They were the ones who invented literally photography. And they start like, uh, all of you are young. Probably you don't remember those cameras with the film. Do you remember that you have to... You, you, you can just take a picture and you hope that it went well, right? And then you have to wait to, 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 uh, to reveal it and everything. Well, anyway, Kodak was, was doing that. And 10 years before, the, the, um, <clears throat> 10 years before the, um, the first digital camera, they already developed the digital camera. But you know, guess what? They didn't want to change. Because they said, oh, no, we're going to lose the, the industry of film. We're going to lose the industry of this because they were pro providing uh, photography supplies. And they said, no, we're going to lose all of this. No, no. And they shut down that. And actually, when, when um, thank you very much. Uh, when actually, when, um, when the first, uh, and they were not the first ones uh, launching uh, digital, digital cameras, but they have the patents. So they, they start paying them. So they were making money anyway. But the, in 2006, if I'm not mistaken, is when they stopped getting the patents, uh, the royalties, and they went to bank, uh, bankruptcy. They, just, they were they just destroyed. When you talk about photography, you don't talk about Kodak now. Talk about Canon, Sony, and all of those, because they were not willing to be able to what? To be flexible in the changes. And this is really interesting because I love this. Um, <clears throat> I love this because in, um, when you have, when you, and this is where your just cause or your goal means. Your goal should be the, the, the final outcome. Even seems uh, uh, impossible. You have to go because many times we focus in the path. You have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do that, you have to do that. So when they face a blockage in the path, they just stop there, right? But if you teach them to see, that's what Paul said, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our, of, our, of our faith. Actually, you know that that's one of our goals? We should be like Jesus, yes or no? Mm -hmm. Quick question. When Jesus comes in the second time, are we done? Growing from glory to glory? No. I mean, we're trying to become something eternal and infinite. So that means we're going to be eternally, constantly growing. So, so when you focus, you know, this is my goal. I want to be like Jesus. So whatever obstacle goes in your path, you're going to learn to be flexible, to go around, to go from the top. You're going to dig a tunnel even, whatever is needed. You know, and that's what GYCs that have been doing. They said we have to finish the work. How are we going to do it? Okay, the church dying. We're going to send the people over there. All right? And okay. And I remember I preached in, in Venezuela like years before the train, uh, like the year of training, but in Venezuela. <clears throat> and we made a call. You know, 
we want to go back to your town and set your town on fire, spiritually, right? Not literally. Yeah. And, and I remember this 17-year-old. I met her a year after, and she says, you know, pastor, pastor. And I was like, yes, how are you? And she's like, you know, I just want to tell you that I took that call, and I went back to my town. I mean, we're talking Venezuela, where there's no food. Uh, and she's like, yeah, what, what do you do? And she's like, yeah, we have a small group. You know, we're a group of, of 15 years old, and 15 to 17 years old. Yeah, that's the range of my group. I'm like, she's a 17-year-old. And we're like, oh, really? God, how many are you guys? And she's like, we're, we're not big. We're just 40. And I'm leading them. Oh, 40, small. Well, anyway, I tell her, like, so what are you guys are doing? You know, you know, as she said, I had that goal in my mind. And we went there. And we realized that people are not eating. And these kids, they have no, no money. But you know, when you have your goal, you make it happen however. You know what they did? They went out to town, and they start collecting in each house. They say, hey, do you have an onion by any chance that you're not using? Yeah, sure. Hey, do you have a potato here? And do you have this? And do you have that? And they went the, the whole, you know, good time they went to campus for, for ingredients. They went back to their house, and they start cooking a meal. Finished the meal, and they went back to those poor places, the most needed people, and they were feeding people. And, you know, this is the flexibility. It's like many times when we try to define an infinite movement, we want to give them a shape. Why? Because we want a checklist. Yes or no? It's easier to go to a checklist. Because we don't want, we've been coming lazy thinkers. We don't want to think. We don't want to process you know, when they, when they call me sometimes from, from the Philippines, what should we do in our country? And I was like, I don't know. But you're the leader. I don't know. I can pray for you, but you should talk to God. He will tell you what to do. Because he will not tell me. He will tell you. <laughs> All right? I can just pray, Lord, please talk to this guy. So that's why they need to be really, really spiritual. And, uh, and this is the movement that we need. These people that are flexible. You know, defining an infinite movement is defining what shape has water. It's the same thing. What kind of shape has water? Does it exist? Yes. Exist. Water exists, right? You can touch it. You know, water, water will take the shape of, the, of the, the recipient, right? So when you pour water in a town, it has to take the shape of the needs of whatever you come from. Because when we go to a city, when we go to GYCs, I do not know their needs. But the local people know, yes or no? They know. Like in Peru, like they're doing crazy things. I never thought that. Because they needed to know. So there was a GYC that they were struggling. And they were telling me, we were waiting for your orders. I was like, you don't hear my orders. You hear God's orders. Why are you not seeking that? So he's like, well, what should we do? I don't know. You have to start thinking what their needs are in your country, and you pray to God what's the next step for you guys. And that's what they're doing now. Because when there's an infinite movement, nothing can stop it. Nothing. You should see what kind of, um, <clears throat> what kind of challenges these guys are facing. They're facing crazy challenges, financial, like they're getting attacks, Bad reputation that people have been telling them that they're, that they're crazy. One of our presidents, she traveled to another country because her family was, 
one of her family members were getting married and the family member paid. People are still telling them that, um, that, um, <clears throat> that they were using GYC money to travel, stuff like that, like they're getting attacked. But you know, they were not afraid and they were like, whatever they will need. And actually, especially when, the, <clears throat> when we go to certain places, you, some people will see you as a competition. Yes or no? Like, hey, why do we need another youth conference? We already have one, right? So that's why I told them, like, some, uh, one of our best GYCs, they haven't had a youth conference yet. And they've been doing the most for the last two, two three years, and that's Venezuela. I mean, because a movement is not based in, in certain things. That's what I was telling, telling you. So if you're not a con youth conference, if you don't have a youth conference, you're not GYC? No. You are a GYC. Why? Because our goal is to finish the work. It's not to have youth conferences. So you're going to be flexible in whatever need, need is in your country, in your country, in your town, whatever you are, in your school. So finally, friends, I want to tell you this. This is the last part. And I'm, going, I'm doing great in time, all right? Um, courage to lead. And this is really interesting because there are two things that you have to have. Many times, many times um, we go to appeals. Yes or no? We stand up for appeals. And you know the Holy Spirit touched your heart. Yes or no? And you know that that was not just an emotional, it was not a cute story. It was the Bible that caught your heart. You're convicted. You step up, you go there. And when you're done, a week later, you're back where you were. Have you had that experience? Being a good leader, I'll tell you, conviction is not enough. Because conviction will lead you a certain way, a certain distance. Some people will go farther, some people will go shorter. And then you're going to stop, and you're going to die. What you need is because the courage that you will need to lead a group of people is, is the courage that you will need to make good decisions. That's what the Bible says. The wicked flee when no man pursues. But the righteous is bold as, as a lion. So if you want to be bold as a lion in the public, you have to be bold as a lion in your personal life. And this, you know, when you're bold in your personal life, Public is not going to be a problem. No, it's not going to be a problem. But this is required two things. <coughs> because of this. As a leader, your goal is to set up the movement so good, so resilient, so spiritual, that even if you disappear, the movement continues. Actually, the first camp meeting the Advent movement had, after all this arousal of the Adventist, Advent preachers, did you know that William Miller was not there? He was sick. He got sick. The main speaker of, of the Advent message, he was not there. Did they stop the camp meeting? No, because it was about the message. It was not about the man. 
So if you want to be a good leader, it's because you, you're making sure that even if you're gone, it's going to be good. You know, I'll tell you this, because um, when they come and they hear, you know, those crazy things about Latin America, they say, David, you're doing a great job. I'm like, it's not me. First of all, it's God. Second, we have an amazing team in Latin America. It's an amazing team. So if I disappear, praise the Lord, they can continue. No problem. I have that confidence. So the thing is not going to stop. So, <clears throat> so you have to be to, to do. Our, now, how as a leader do I last long? When many times I took appeals and I forgot, I promised to God maybe to do a mission, a year in mission, and nothing has happened. This, there are two things. Conviction and conversion. Do you remember uh, when, when um, in Matthew chapter 10, and um, well, when you used to go back before that, do you remember when, when Peter was in his boat and Jesus tells him, you know, cast out your nets, I'm going to grab you know, grab everything, and he, you know, that he pulled a lot of fish. And then he runs to Jesus, sorry. He runs to Jesus on his feet, and he hugs him, and he said, what? Depart from me for, for, for what? I'm a sinful man. So he was convicted. It was, it was something in Jesus that he saw is the Son of God. This man is just not any other man. It was not just a miracle. It was like Ellen White says in Desire of Ages, he felt the conviction that he was a sinner, in, be in, in front of the God, God of gods. So he hugs Jesus and he tells him, depart from me. But at the same time, he's hugging him. Just in his action, he's saying, don't let me go. Don't go, please, because I have no hope without you. So <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 10, you know, he, he started watching Jesus doing miracles. Crazy, huh? Like, uh, if you go to, um, to the... Um, when is it, uh, Michelle? I said that tomorrow, no, on Sabbath, we're going to have the, the affiliate and testimonies time. Please be there. We're going to tell you miracle stories from the affiliates. I wish I could tell you stories here because I don't want to, but I don't want to throw that out, okay? So, but you're going to hear it if you're there. So, <clears throat> this guy is watching miracles. I remember I was like you one time in my church, in the pews, and I was really upset because I was listening to these, these testimonies of these guys, and I just started praying, Lord, I want to have my own testimonies. I'm tired of hearing. I want to leave it. So, and God sent me those uh, to Canvas, and I saw a lot of miracles there. And now in GYC, we're seeing crazy miracles. So, Peter was experiencing that. He was seeing miracles done by Jesus. You know, can you imagine? Have you faced any demonic possession? It's crazy. But Jesus will come and say, like, get out of here. And boom. And, and I can be, you know, I'll be like, wow. This is crazy. But, um, but if you go to Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manners of what? 
diseases. So you can say that the disciples went from, from this level to watching miracles to the second level, which is what? Performing miracles. Can you imagine? Like, hey, you have cancer? Don't worry, in the name of Jesus, done. I mean, these guys, I mean, you can imagine if you hear that this is Peter, he's the follower of Jesus, and not just that, he performs miracles. Will you think that he's a powerful man? Man of God? Yes or no? Go to Luke chapter 22, verse 32. <clears throat> we can start in verse 31. The Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may swift you as wheat. Verse 32. But I have prayed for you, that your faith fail not, and when you are converted, strengthen my brethren. Strengthen your brethren. So the Bible is saying to this leader, you're a follower, follower, you perform miracles, but you need to be converted. It's like going to Mark Finley and tell him, like, hey, you need, you need to be converted. And I was like, it can be an, even an offense, right? Like, it can be offensive. Like, Jesus is telling Peter, like, you need to be converted. What are you talking about? I'm doing miracles. And you're telling me to be converted? This is the reason. Because conviction will show you the path. But only conversion will give you the strength. Because Peter was only convicted and he failed. But later on in John, at the end of, the, the end of John, Jesus restores him and tells him how he's going to die. And he asks him three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he says, follow me. And Peter follows him. Because in that point, he was converted. Many times, as Christians, and this is, this is essential for leaders, and it should be essential for Christians, <coughs> we, are, we are convicted to do the right thing. But we know that we don't have a strength. And we think that we just experience just conviction and going up front, we are done. We should be seeking conversion. Because this will give you the, the courage to lead, the courage to make decisions in your personal life and also for your ministry. That's why many people stop. Stop reading the Bible. Yeah, I know what to do because not, knowledge is not enough. Knowing what's right is not enough. That doesn't give you any power. We're sold onto sin. But when you seek conversion, conversion will give you grace. And grace will give you strength. That's why Paul said, you know, your grace is sufficient. For I am weak, then I'm strong. And that's what I mean. Like when you have the courage to live in your personal life, Public life is not going to be a problem. You're going to make decisions because it's going to cost you something. 
all the disciples in Christ had to pay a price to, say, to serve God. And <clears throat> when I was in, in, in Minnesota, my desire, my greatest desire was, I, I have a computer science degree. It was become IT in the health. So in Minnesota, the University of Minnesota, they have a, a program called Health Informatics. So it's a master's in MIT program. I was longing for that. I desire for that. And I told God, you know, Lord, if you give me this career, I'll be the best lay member ever. You know, I'll teach my friends. Uh, and also I have a burden for Hispanics because I told them, like, you know, you, you can be a Hispanic, but that doesn't stop you to get better and better in excellence. I'm not saying education is wrong. But that was not my call in that master's. But because I went to the, the um, University of Minnesota, they sent me to the minority department. And they said, you know, guess what? We have a lot of grants for, uh, for grad school. They said, all the undergrad grants, they're gone because everybody's taking that. But says, for some reason, all the minorities are not taking grad school. They're stopping there. So they, they offered me to pay me the whole, full ride, pay the 100%. And then they offered me to, that they were going to, to uh, give me $20,000 a year so I can be a full-time student. Statement. And that was my dream becoming true. Like, it was amazing. And I remember, <clears throat> it was the time that they, God called me to go to this school, Watch the Hills, where I have to start another career. I have to study theology. No grants, no scholarships. You had to canvas to pay your tuition. No help. But God was calling there. I don't regret that decision ever. Because there's the miracles that I'm seeing here, no way I will get it in those offices. There's no way. Encourage to live your life. That will give you a stability in your team. If you're consistent, your friends will be consistent. You know, I'm telling you all of this because I've, I've been observing that I myself will need to learn from a lot of, you know, a lot of people that in Latin America, I'm learning from them. Because they're excellent workers. They're an in inspiration for me. Because you have to be, have the courage to live your life, to live your calling. And these tips will help you to set up a movement that will last long. You know, Sylvia, she was the president of GYC Venezuela. And in Venezuela, she was... She dedicated her, her full time into ministry. But guess what? GYC, as many of you know, you don't get paid. We're all volunteers, right? She was working full time just being volunteers. They were living, they were living out of savings for the last couple of years. Surviving out of savings, but dedicating themselves to GYC, to ministry. So... Her husband has a sister. She lives in Netherlands. And she was getting married. So, of course, they don't have money. But they, want, they wanted both to be in the wedding so much that they pay their tickets from Venezuela to the Netherlands. So they flew them there. And they were in, you know, and I don't think they're Adventists, actually. And they started asking, so what are you doing in Venezuela? And they always told me, you know, our desire is to 
you know, they're a young couple. They want to have kids, but having kids in Venezuela is crazy. You have to be nuts. There's no diapers, there's no vaccines, there's nothing. So a lot of things that are missing. <clears throat> so they said, like, it's impossible to have babies. So they went to, to, um, to Netherlands, and they told, him, they told him, you know, you don't have to go back to Venezuela. Because there's a law that here that, you know, they show them some laws that they can stay legally. And if they learn the language, they can start working and earning in euros. Right? So plus you're with family. And then she calls me and she says, David, I cannot stay. And the family members were like, why are you going to that country? People are paying, they're, they're begging people to, to get out of that situation and you're going back. And she told them, like, I have a mission to fulfill in there. And then I'm not moving out until God tells me so. And she tells me, you know, it was not easy. Those decisions are not easy. She told me that she was crying when she flew back. But she said that was the best decision because God is with her. You don't want to be in a place where God is not with you. If you have the courage to lead in your own life for God, you will teach others to live that way too. Courage. Courage. We need people that are willing to do crazy things for God. Don't wait until you're 20. If you're 17, 15, you can do crazy things for God. Because people are already doing it. You know, friends, one of the greatest... Sign of the time, signs of the time that I'm seeing today is, is that there are already young people serious with God. And God is setting up his army. And he's setting up armies like, like you guys. They have these characteristics. Why? Because Jesus is about to come soon. Jesus is about to come soon. How many of you want to say, Lord, I want to have the courage to lead? I need conviction and conversion. I need conversion. Many people need conversion. Being convicted is not enough. This will change your life. Let us bow our heads, okay? Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you very much for this day, Lord. My Father, thank you very much for the work that you have, you have done in a lot of people in Latin America. There are many of them, they even lost their jobs for the ministry. My Father, and being comfortable here in the U.S., Lord, we wonder if you can work the same here. My Father, I know that you can. It's just us. My Father, we ask in a special way that you will give us the courage to make, to do crazy, or to desire crazy decisions for you. You, each one of us, we're called to do a ministry in life. And that's why you brought us here in this world, in this generation. So we ask in a special way that you will help us and you will guide us, Lord. Lead us and help us to accomplish what you called us to do. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC conference by many or by few in Louisville, Kentucky. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take a sacrificial initiative for Christ. To download other resources like this, 
visit us online at gycweb.org.